You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. How is everybody? Man, isn't church a good place to be? I'm better now, better than I was when I came in. Man, so, I'm so blessed and so encouraged by you guys. I just want to say thank you for coming to church. Yeah, God's doing some incredible things. Um, my name's Cody Sykes. I'm the campus pastor here. Super just honored just to get to be a part of a church like this. But uh, if you're a first-time guest, can we welcome our first-time guest? Thank you so much for coming. Thank you so much for being here. I just believe that you're not here on accident. And I believe that God's going to do something uh, significant tonight. Amen. He's already moving. We're seeing breakthroughs and lives and all of the all of the things. So I'm just uh, I'm just I'm just glad to just get to be a part of God's kingdom. It's it's so sweet. So Amen. I just wanted to to start right off the right off the top. Just it's really cool just to see what God has done. And I was looking um, before the first service. I was looking at, around on Facebook and. I, I noticed that something was posted, and, and I don't know if you guys know, but the, the guy that was playing our bass, his name is Jason Hayslip, this week marks three years ago that him and, and three of his friends were hit by a drunk driver while they were riding their bicycles on 158. Uh, he, was the only of the, he was the only one of the three that actually survived the collision. The other two passed, unfortunately, but Jason was miraculously, uh, one, saved from, from death, but then two, like, has this uh, still, this has this ability to to want to give his gift away in worship and and uh, and and play music and I love the sacrifice behind it because it's this. There's two things that he says that hurts him and his back the most because in this wreck it it broke his back it it broke his hip ribs um, and he also rode 64 miles in a bicycle race yesterday so he's he's just crushing things. Um, but he said that a couple of things that, that hurt him the most are working on bicycles and playing guitar or bass. And yet he endures the thing that gives him the most pain just to offer his gift to God. And I just really, really appreciate his heart. So he would never ask me to say those things, but I'm just going to take the liberty to do it anyway. So um, no, I'm just really excited about what God is doing. Um, I don't know if you, you were here last week, but God did some incredible things. We just had this amazing moment. And I just feel like you should know this. I feel like you should know I didn't tell the first service this, the first service this so maybe you're the special, the special group to hear this. But um, I don't know, how many of you are here when Ed Trout came? Uh, we had a prophet friend came. Uh, he's from South Africa who lives in San Antonio. He came and he, he did some incredible things. And, and, but the first time that he came, which was actually um, in May, it was May, uh, March 7th of 2020, he came. And uh, he just released a lot of things. But one of the things that he prophesied, um, he prophesied over a, a large group of people, but then he prophesied something over me. And this was, this was before I had stepped into the role of campus pastor. It was kind of in the making. But something that he prophesied over me, and I see that, I'm, I'm sharing this because I feel like this is what we're stepping into. Uh, he prophesied this over me. He said, uh, and this was true. He said, when I was young in the spirit, when I was young to, to Christianity and in Jesus, that I'd asked to see miracles and supernatural things which was true. I got saved in a super radical um, uh, meeting. It was like 14,000 people. Uh, I saw miracles, signs, and wonders the first night. It was wild. I didn't have any idea what God was or who he was. And then I saw people getting out of wheelchairs, and I was like, 
that's crazy, and I don't know what to do with it, but I like it. So that's kind of where I started. And he prophesied that I had asked to see miracles, signs, and wonders, and supernatural things when I was young. And he said, I tell you, you're going to see that in this church. He said, there's going to be a time coming when you'll see miracles happen every single meeting that you have. And that, that God would start doing something so radical in the supernatural realm that people would start traveling into Midland all over the world just to see what's happening spiritually here. And we're starting to see God move in this way. And so just so you know, when I hear things like that, I'm like, okay, God, Sure. Yep. I believe you. I'm not going to laugh at you for sure. I noticed what happened to Sarah when she laughed at God, so I'm not going to laugh, but I'm, I'm just uh, excited to see what God's doing. So, Now, uh, God is just moving, and last week we had this, this incredible encounter with God. It was such a holy moment in worship. Our worship team is incredible, and, and it has led us into this place, and then Braden's message, it just landed in such a way in the second service, uh, if you were in here, that it was, there was really no way to define it. And I don't even really want to have to define what God's doing. I've just been telling people God is happening. When people say, what's happening in this church? I'm like, God, God's happening. And if this is what God happening looks like, then I'm interested in more of it. And so I pray that you are too. Anyways, I just want to share this tonight. Uh, I feel like this message that I have on my heart tonight is, is purposeful. I believe it's timely. Uh, I believe that as, as men and women of God and as sons and daughters, we have to begin to understand what the time is what the times and what the seasons call for. But I believe that God is calling us into a great place of holiness and a great place of pureness within ourselves. Now, when I say this, I don't want you to hear this. I don't want you to hear he's calling me into a place of holiness or he's calling me into a place of pureness so that I'll become righteous because that's not done by what you do. That's done by what Jesus did. So when you hear this message tonight and me talking about moving into this place of pureness and moving into this place of holiness, I want you to hear it from the place of the grace of God that's on your life, which is Jesus, actually empowers you to live in such a way that you obtain the things that he died for you to have. That's how I want you to hear this message. And so before we go any further, I just want to pray and ask God just to continue to move as he does. God, I thank you. You're such a good God. You're always on time and you never miss it. Yeah, we glorify your name, Jesus. We lift up the name of Jesus, the name that is above all things. And Jesus, I pray that you would manifest your peace and your presence in the rest of this service as you've done in worship. I give you full authority and, and, and full reign to do whatever it is that you, des you desire to do. If we're to go a different direction, we'll go a different direction. But Lord, we just want to do this for you. I pray that you're glorified, that you're lifted up, that this magnifies your name, and that people are actually drawn to what you're doing and not necessarily only what we're doing. If it's in your name, it'll be fruitful. So we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want to talk to you tonight about something the Lord's been dealing with me and, and speaking to me on for a while. Um, and, and I just believe that God is is inviting us into this place, like I said, of holiness and intimacy and purification, not into a place of religion. Um, I, I wanna say that this is like a family message to me. How many of you are parents in the room? You have any parents in the room? Quite a few of you. If you're not a parent, then you're a daughter or you're a son of a parent, so you need to hear the message too. 
So no one's exempt from this word. So when I start talking to parents, if you're not a parent yet and you desire to be a parent, I want you to hear it with that in mind. Um, But tonight I just wanna start by saying this. I'm concerned that we do a really good job of locking our doors, but we're leaving our gates wide open. I'm gonna say it again, then I'm gonna explain it. I'm concerned that we're doing a good job of locking our doors, but our gates are wide open. How many of you lock your doors at night when you go to sleep? And the ones that didn't raise their hand are the ones that have the most faith in the room. I lock the front door, I lock the back door, I lock the side door, I make sure the garage door is closed before I lock the garage door. And then I get in bed and oftentimes I, I'll start laying there and think, oh geez, did I lock the front door? Anybody with me? You're like, man, I can't remember even though I checked it twice before I even went and got in bed. And so then I told my wife, I'm like, I don't know if I locked the front door. She's like, really, again? So then I have this thing where I can't go to sleep unless I go look. Of course it's locked. And then while I'm up, I just go ahead and check the rest of them anyways too. It's like this thing that I need deliverance from. It's like this OCD thing that just, it, it's not good. I'm asking the Lord for help. But we do a really good job of locking our doors just because we want to keep certain things We wanna keep certain things out. I'm not as concerned tonight, I'm not as concerned with what we're locking out of our homes as much as I am what we're locking into our homes. And you're like, okay, what are you you talking about? Tonight I wanna talk about these gates. So if you would go with me to Proverbs chapter four, verse 20, it's gonna be on the screen, but if you have a Bible, you should open it, you should know where Proverbs is, Uh, you should start studying your Bible, having a Bible doing all the things. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible, so let us know. But I'm gonna go ahead and start reading this, Proverbs chapter four, starting in verse 20. It says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words, do not lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them, and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk, Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Make out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Do not, be, do not get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So I wanna point out these gates, but before I do, I just wanna take a moment just to define what the gate is or what a gate's function is. A gate is, this is very simple. It's a movable barrier. These are things that we know. They're usually on hinges. It's, a clo- it's an, in a closing or an opening in a fence or a wall or another enclosure. But I want you to understand this part. And it's an opening permitting passage through an enclosure. It's an opening that permits passage into an enclosure. So we have three gates in our life. And if you look at verse 20, you see that he says, listen carefully to my words. So he's talking about our ear gate. I'm gonna call our ears a gate, and maybe you've heard this before, something similar to this before, but he says, listen carefully to my word. So he's talking about our ears. He says, don't lose sight of my word. He's talking about our eyes. And a little bit further down, he starts talking about let no corrupt speech come out of your mouth. So he's talking about our mouth. So we have an ear gate, we have an eye gate, and we have a mouth gate. So our ear gate, obviously, is a gate that is an entry point. Our eye gate is obviously also an entry point. Our mouth is an entry and an exit point. 
And most gates of the three, the mouth gate in us seems to be the one that's open the most and does the most letting in and letting out. We're constantly breathing hot air. Jesus. When I think about gates, I think about horse pens in rodeo arenas. That's just where I go. It's kind of what I love to do uh, way back when. And, and if, you, if you don't know this about me, you should know I love pranks. I'm a prank polling person. Um, I've been known to do a lot of things in the office. It's surprising that we still have a staff that works for us. Uh, I've covered keyboards in goldfish crackers, just perfectly lined, straight, detailed. Um, so obviously there's no way to even use the computer unless you take the time, which is the best part, to actually clean up the mess that you didn't even create, which is fun. Uh, then also have stacked styrofoam cups in people's doorways so they couldn't get into their office and then they knock them down, which means they have to pick up every single cup before they can even start working, which is so much fun. Uh, I've placed firecrackers under Emily's seat before in her office. That was a blast. We've hidden under desks. We do a lot of things in the office. To Chris Worley, it was really fun. I wasn't necessarily in on this, but um, we hid his phone in the ceiling tiles of his office. And we didn't tell him, so like we would start buzzing him, and it would start buzzing his phone, but he had no idea that he even had a phone because it was in a ceiling. It was, it was freaking fun. It was fun. But I love pranks. And so when I think about gates, and I think about rodeo arenas and horse pins and all these things, I think about what we used to do with people with a hot shot. Do you know what a hot shot is? A hot shot is a cattle prod. It's, it's about, I don't know, you can get a long one. It's like six foot long. It's a long stick, and at the end of it, it literally has these two little pins that will light somebody up. It, it will even, when you got a good battery in it, it'll even send a blue arc across the little poles. So we would wait for someone that was opening the gate or, or opening the chute, and we would sneak up behind them and just give them a little love tap, so to speak. And then we'd obviously take off running, and it was always fun. When I was in college, I didn't share this, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of ashamed of this, but I'm kind of proud of this at the same time, because this kid would have done this to me. A kid that I grew up with, we, we went to college together, and he uh, broke his foot, and he was being extremely um, not smart when he broke his foot, and so he was the guy that always just poked and prodded on everybody, and so uh, one night he was at our house, and he was on crutches, and he, he had this tendency to leave his mouth gate open a lot. He was one of those kind of guys. He just talked a lot, and so he's, he's literally, you know, like when you're on crutches, and you're like resting on your crutches, so like his broken foot is this one, and he's got his leg locked. Well, we had a cattle prod in our house, and I snuck up behind him, and I just hit him with a cattle prod on the good leg, right behind the knee. So it did one of those. We had nowhere to go except for down. So anyway, gates are fun, and there's this concept <laughs> and this thing that we say all the time, and it's shut the gate. I'm constantly telling my kids, shut the gate. The dog's going to get out. Or shut the gate, here comes the horse, here comes the horses, or shut the gate, here comes the steers. I told this in the first service, I talked to my wife in the Letton Presley when she was about five, go on a first, her first road trip with dad. And we went to this uh, team roping event in, in San Antonio. And so as, as all the steers are roped, then somebody has to push all those steers back up to the front of the arena, you're running back through the chute so you can rope them again. So Presley wanted to help me do that. Well, we, didn't, we, weren't, we weren't on a horse, we were just walking. So we're pushing all these cows, 75 steers up through, well, somebody shut the gate prematurely. So they get all the way up to the front and I see the beginning part of this herd of cows start to turn around. I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, oh shoot, somebody shut the gate. 
Here in a second, all 75 steers come barreling down this alley that's, I don't know, 12 foot wide. We have nowhere to go. I'm like, great, dad fail of the year. First road trip with dad, she gets trampled by 75 steers. I jump up on the fence and I hook her. It was like a super dramatic moment. We're like, it's like minute by minute, every steer that hits my legs, it's like my fingers are slipping one by one. It's like, it's like I'm hanging onto the top roll of the fence by one little finger. We're fixing to get swept away in a, in a herd of cows. It didn't happen, but Stacy was pretty reluctant to let her go on road trips with me after that. But No, we, we talk about gates. And when I talk about a gate, I'm talking about these ports of entry into our lives. There, these, points, uh, these points of entry into a fence or into a, a pen. And, and gates are super, super important. If you were here last week, Braden taught an incredible message. And, and in that message, he started talking about how the enemy is a pervert, meaning that he perverts the truth of God. He puts a twist on the things of God to get our attention off of what God is doing. In the, the scripture that we read in Proverbs, it said if you'll listen, and if you'll not let the word depart from you, that you'll have life and you'll have healing. So it's no secret that if this is the way in which God deals with us to bring upon life and healing, that the enemy would also try to come in and distort or pervert what's coming into those gates as well. First Peter chapter five, verse eight, you don't have this uh, scripture up there, but it says be alert and of a sober mind. A sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So the first thing that we need to establish tonight is that we have an enemy, that we're in a war. And I'm not trying to take this like super crazy into the, into the devil ditch, uh, but we need to understand that we do have an enemy and the scripture says that, that it is the devil. And he roar, roams around just like a roaring lion. It says that he is like one, he's not one. I need you to understand that he's not. He's not as big and bad as we make him out to be. But it says that we have to be alert and we have to be of a sober mind when it comes to him and the way that he works. Hosea chapter four, verse six, it says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge, a lack of knowledge. In any type of sport, if you were to know the opponent's game plan ahead of the game, you should never lose, right? It would pretty much be impossible if you knew the game plan of the opponent. You executed a better game plan that actually came against every single thing and it offset every single thing that they tried to do. You would actually win that game. And so what I'm trying to get you to this tonight is to this place where we start understanding the way in which the enemy starts trying to come into our homes through the gates that I'm talking about so that we actually have a plan that offsets his and we walk in the victory that Jesus died and bled for us to have. That's the entire intention of tonight's message. So about these gates, so we have this ear gate. And I'm just gonna go briefly through these. And, and so obviously we have music. Music comes through our ears. Music has a powerful message. I'm not telling you that tonight after this you need to go home and you need to throw away all of your secular CDs and keep one, only Christian CD. I'm not saying that. We don't even have CDs anymore, so that couldn't be even remotely true. That's not what I'm saying tonight, but I, I'm, I'm saying that we ought to pay attention in this season of what we're allowing to come in. Because God is actually doing some things, if you haven't noticed. And the last thing I want to see from my own life is me to allow something to hang out longer than it should and me not actually walk in the fullness of what Jesus is doing for me. Amen. And I would hate as a pastor, as your pastor, 
for that to happen in your life and in your family life too. Then you have TV. Obviously, everybody has TV. TV plays some sort of role. You have news that comes on TV. You have movies that comes on TV. Uh, unfortunately, now you have commercials that you, I don't understand the divisiveness of TV. It's like they play kids' movies on certain channels, but the commercials are X-rated almost. I'm like, what is happening? They're just soliciting so many things to our kids. Anyways, um, I'm going to get on that soapbox in just a minute. But TV is, is such a huge import uh, of, of information to us. And then you have conversations. What is our conversations like? What is the language in our conversations like? What are the conversations and the jokes that we have when we're with just the guys? What are the jokes that we hear? What's the content of the jokes that we hear? What are the content of the jokes that we tell? Because all of these things play a role in the quality of life that we're building around us. You're like, you're, you're taking this way too far. The scripture says that out of the abundance of a heart, the mouth speaks, meaning what I'm putting in is what I can actually make a withdrawal out of to give you around me. So if I'm not putting in anything of value, I can't give away something that is of value, especially to my family, especially to you. So I have to pay attention to what's coming through my ear gate and what my self-talk sounds like. Braden was talking last week about our thought life and, and what, what's going on in our thought world. I was reading uh, a statistic that said 64,000 thoughts are what we have on average a day. 64,000 thoughts a day is what we average. It said 85% of those thoughts are negative thoughts. And 95% of the 85% that are negative are recurring ones. So you can imagine our self-talk could get a little ugly sometimes. And once again, we can't give away something that we don't have. If I don't love myself, I can't love you well. If I don't love myself, I can't love my children or my wife either. So then you have the eye gate, obviously. TV plays a role in the eye gate. Social media plays a role in the eye gate. If you're struggling in any area, you need to understand what your triggers are. If your trigger is TV, if your trigger is music, if your trigger is social media, it would be better for you to remove the trigger and walk in the freeness of God than you feel like you need to be connected to people on social media. Connect with people in person. It's pretty easy. But we have an ear gate, we have an eye gate. Internet, obviously. The things that we witness, maybe those are fights or arguments. Relationships, this is a big one. What are the relationships that we're bringing into our homes. I know some of us are in single, uh, single family, uh, single parent situations. I just would, I'm just going to tell you, I'm not judging you, I'm just telling you, and I don't know any, anybody's story in here. Pay attention to what you bring home to your kids. Like, be very mindful of what you're, here's what you need to understand. As a parent, everything that I introduce my children to before they know the word is the word. Everything that I lead my kids into before they actually can start developing their own relationship with God, they can start getting understanding from God's word for themselves, it is the truth. And if a relationship that I bring into my home that looks a certain way and it's not the way of the word, I've just established in my children that is what the word says. Because they're looking at me for their instruction. So we've just got to pay attention. Then we have the mouth gate. Basically, this is one that's pretty simple. This is an input and an output. What we drink, alcohol. Um, if alcohol is a big issue in your life, pay attention. If it's, a, if it's a constant or if it's a normalized thing, 
pay attention. I'm not saying you have to quit. I'm not saying that you have a problem. I'm saying that you need to take this and let it convict you in the way that it's supposed to. At any moment, if you hear something in the word tonight that condemns you, that starts labeling you something, meaning a failure in, a parent, in your parenting, uh, a failure as a person, a terrible this or a terrible that, don't listen to that. But if you feel something on the inside of you, it's like, ooh, I ought to pay attention. Listen to that. Because that's normally the Holy Spirit just convicting you. The other one is not God at all. Condemnation is not God at all. So all of these things that I'm talking about and just kind of defining these things, it takes me back to one of the original statements that I, that I said, that we lock our doors and we even check our windows, our points of entry, so that we can keep things out. But I'm concerned with what we're letting in or what we're locking in more than I am concerned with what we're locking out. And here's an example of this. I had a mom text me once and uh, she had told me that her five-year-old daughter was dealing with what she thought was a demon. I'm like, oh, that could be interesting. She was like, this is what's happening at my home. My daughter's doing this. She's threatening all of these things. Um, she's freaking out. She's threatening to break windows and cut people and five-year-old, and she's just having this total meltdown. And so the mom wants me to come and, and deal with it. And I'm like, you need to call somebody else. Call Emily. She'll, just, she'll come deal with it. Um, no, anyways, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I started talking to this mom about this is what your authority is as a parent. This is what you need to start doing. This is what you need to start praying. These are, the thing, these, these are some steps that you can take. And of course, we'll pray for her. So we pray for her. Everything seems fine. The little girl actually responds to everything that I ask her to pray. Uh, I did all that I could to just poke and prod. Uh, any demon that might have been having its way with her couldn't get anything to respond. And so I just believe she was, she was just being tormented. But what startled me about this whole situation was this. A few weeks later, I see on Instagram, uh, because pastors sometimes have Instagram too, I, I see on Instagram that this same family is posting some really, really, uh, pic some pictures that they're super proud of, that their sons are drawing. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm proud of my son's drawings too. But these were of uh, Pennywise, the clown, it. They were uh, images of Freddy Krueger. There were images of Michael Myers, Jason. So I'm like, okay, wait, time out. See, see, so the daughter's tormented by a demon. And you probably lock your doors at night before you go to bed. But your gates are wide open so much so that your kids actually get to reimagine and redraw the people that they're actually seeing on their TV screens. So why would I, or why would anyone, for that matter, allow something that causes fear and torment to actually come in when they're dealing with a daughter that has fear and torment. Like these are the types of things that I'm talking about when I say our doors are locked but our gates are left wide open. I'm more concerned with that situation because something's being locked into the home that nobody's paying attention to. Sometimes I feel like our parenting sells things to our kids that we accuse the world of. I'll say it one more time. Sometimes I feel like our parenting sells the things to our kids that we're accusing the world of selling to them. Like I hear parents that say like, um, and, and we say this all the time, like kids have so much more access to things that we, we didn't have access to. They have access to stuff uh, readily available are all of the things that could get them so far off of God's plan for their life. And I hear people, that's, families and, and parents that say, oh, I'm so concerned with the access that they have. 
But those parents' kids, and I'm not, I'm trying to be very careful about saying those parents because I'm a parent too and I'm flawed. I'm flawed. Uh, they are the same ones that have given their kids iPhones or smartphones that have full access to social media. And they're not even teenagers yet. Like, I'm just telling you what my convictions are and what I feel like the Lord's telling us as a church, but we have to pay very close attention to what the gates we're leaving open are. And when I say that we sell things to our children that we accuse the world of, I think first and foremost about this idea that we accuse the world of, of selling sex to our, ch- our children. And I would agree with you. I believe that, that culture and the world and everything is bent towards sexual things. But while we make those accusations, we call it really cute that we let like our young boys take their girlfriends to homecoming. I know I'm stepping on some things. I'm just trying to preach the word that I believe the Lord's telling us to preach. Like we call it cute that our, our first grade boys and our first grade girls have girlfriends and they take them Valentine's gifts. They're like, oh, you're being way, way, way too judgmental right now, Cody. Actually, what I'm trying to tell you is this. Just because the seed that we're planting in our kids when we allow boyfriend or allow girlfriend or allow this or allow that isn't sex, doesn't mean that the seed won't grow into the same thing that sex is. That's what we have to pay attention to. It's like if I slowly introduce, inter- um, if I slowly introduce attraction and the boyfriend, thing, the boyfriend girlfriend thing into my kid's life slowly, what I'm actually doing is I am I'm just not introducing it as hot and heavy as what TV is to my kids. If you plant an apple seed, should you expect an orange tree? No. If you you plant an apple seed, you should expect an apple, an apple tree. And so what I want to tell you is that if you are planting seeds of early attraction or seeds of sexual things to your children, please don't expect purity to grow. I'm not saying that purity can't grow. I'm saying that we get to control the gate because we're the gatekeeper of our family. And we get to actually control what does and what doesn't come and make its home on the inside of our kids. We have to begin to recognize that the seeds that we're planting or the seeds that we're sowing into our kids, we have to understand what they originate from because that seed is gonna grow into the thing that it came from. You can't really get around that. We have to begin to lead and parent with the gates in mind, not just the doors of the exterior of our home. What I'm saying is that if we start paying attention, we'll start recognizing what we're giving permission into our homes and into our children. I would imagine that there's some people in the room that are having some thoughts, some thoughts about what I'm teaching that sound like this message sounds super religious. And I don't want to be someone that is, is parenting and living a life that's out of touch with reality. Or I don't want to be one of those people. Uh, I just desire to uh, not be a restrictive parent. I was guided and I was parented in such a way that my parents took away all kinds of access to me. And I desire not to be like that. Or maybe you might be saying, if I parent my kids like that, then they won't know the real world when they're encountering the real world. And the insinuation behind a statement or a thought like that is that I should actually parent my kids in such a way that they learn to reel with 
they learn to deal with real world issues from a worldly perspective. That's actually what we're saying when we say, if I parent that way, my kids won't be ready for the real world. We're saying that we should actually dumb our parenting down to a worldly level and bypass what the word says to do. What if we started parenting our kids in such a way that when they encounter the real world, the real world has to actually respond to them? Like when our kids get accused of something and they know who they are in Christ, then all of a sudden things get really awkward when it doesn't produce the fear that the world is wanting it to produce. Like this is the place that we actually have an invitation into parenting our kids into. Most parenting nowadays, I feel like they, they, they parent from, we, we parent from desire. Like growing up, I didn't see confrontation done well. So getting into marriage, I'm like, well, I don't want to confront because I haven't seen it done well. My desire is not what I saw. But there is a right way and there's a wrong way. And some, sometimes I, I see parents now that we're, we parent from this place of desire so much that I don't desire to spank my kids because it hurts me and it hurts them. Or I don't desire to be that kind of parent because I just desire an alternative route. So what I'm actually gonna do is I'm gonna take on this, I'm, I'm desiring something different, so I'm gonna take on this alternative route and I'm just gonna have a reasonable, reasoning conversation with my two-year-old. We're gonna figure out all of the reasoning behind the things that they're doing, but they're not mature for the conversation at all. And what I'm actually breeding in my child is rebellion. When actually I get to control what's coming in. The dangerous thing about parenting from desire only is this, and especially when desire doesn't line up with the word. James chapter one, verse 14 and 15. Y'all okay? Yeah. You sure? Okay, I just feel like this is what we're supposed to go after, so take it over the Lord. Uh, James chapter one, verse 14, it says this. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So I imagine after reading that, you can see the importance of why, it's, why God is saying, listen to my word and not let them depart from your sight. Because if I slowly start to allow temptation, or if I slowly start to let desire uh, lead and guide my parenting, surely temptation's gonna come, and now I'm tempted to not do anything, and now I'm actually giving my kids the actual go-ahead to do whatever they wanna do. We are, are creatures of habit. And most of us fall into this category. We'll do everything that we know we can get away with. If I were to tell you that we're gonna leave, we're gonna leave Midland at 9 p.m. tonight, we're gonna go to dinner in Lubbock, and I've already got the call that there is not a single, not one, police officer, state trooper, sheriff, highway patrolman between here and Lubbock, would you drive the speed limit? Not a chance. Why? Because I can get there so much faster. Because we can get away with it. Sometimes, our kids are the way that they are because they know that they can get away with it. But the Lord is actually calling us into a different place as parents, and it starts with parents first. He's saying, if I can get you to pay attention to your own gates and what you're letting into your own place, 
then I'll be able to actually keep you and your family in this place and in this zone of walking into everything that I actually died and bled for you to have. This is the place that we have to get. I'm gonna close with this. We have to understand that parenting with this mindset of we have to be uh, proactive and sometimes we have to be reactive. I'll just say this too. Parenting is hard. It just is. Like, there's not a manual for some of these things. Like, oh, dang it, like page 37, what did it say? My kid was gonna, what? It doesn't say those things. And it takes us being proactive, meaning let's start paying attention to what's on our TV and let's start paying attention to the conversation that we're having with our spouse. And if it's too mature for my 12-year-old, I change the conversation or I'll wait to have the rest of it later because I don't wanna put something in her ear that gets her imagination going that she's not mature enough to deal with the thoughts that come after that. But sometimes we just are so heated in our moments. We, don't eat, we bypass who's around and we just have it the way that we have it because we are who we are. We are who we are because we wanna be the way that we are. We don't have to be this way. And Jesus wants to call us up. So we have to become proactive parents. Sometimes we have to be reactionary. Sometimes there's situations that come that you just like, I did not see that one come. I didn't know that was gonna happen. A few years back, uh, I've shared this before, but my oldest daughter, she's 12 now, she started dealing with just a ton of anxiety and a ton of fear, and I didn't, I didn't know it was happening. I didn't know it was happening at all. And one night, she had gone to bed, and my wife and I were in the living room, and she comes in the room and she's just hysterically crying and, and I said, what, what is going on? Like, I didn't know anything about this. And she's like, I feel like there's something in my room. I feel like I saw and heard footsteps. And I'm like, oh, that's not, that's not gonna fly. So I go in her room and I'm like, okay, where? And she shows me where and she's freaked out and she's crying. And so I, I just, I use the weapons that I know. I use the weapon of the name of Jesus and I used worship. And so we just started worshiping and we started praying and I stood, I said, show me the spot. And I stood in the exact same spot that she felt like she saw this thing and I worshiped from that position. As if to say, you have no authority in my home. And we did this night after night after night until this one night, she comes to me and same, same thing over and over. And she, she comes and she says, uh, she's, she's crying again, dad, it's, it's bad. I said, okay, well, this is gonna be really challenging. I showed you how to do it, so I need you to go do it. So I send my 10-year-old in her room to go deal with something that she's extremely afraid of. You're like, you're the worst dad of the year. (laughs) See, but there's sometimes it's like, as a dad, I show her what works, and as a dad, he shows us what works, and he can only do it for us so long, and I can only do it for her for so long until I actually had to just send her in there and say, you have all the weapons, baby, and you know the truth, and so I need you to go in the room. So I sent her in a room, and she stood in the exact same spot that she felt at last. And she worshiped, and she prayed from her position of faith. And she broke it off of her own life and in her own room. And she hadn't had it again. Fast forward just a few, a few years uh, ahead, but then just actually, this was about six months ago. My son, he's nine. A little girl down the road, she comes and she's like, "Hey, did you know? Did you know about the the guy comes out in the dark, dressed in black, and he wears a white mask with holes in it?" 
He's like, no, didn't know that. It's not something we've introduced to him. Well, he's deathly afraid. Comes in our room and he is shaking, crying. Snot bubbles, the whole thing, everything's running. He's deathly afraid of this thing that someone just told him about. So I'm like, okay, buddy, let's go. Let's go fight it. So we go in, I worship with him, I pray with him until he falls asleep. And it lasted for weeks and weeks and weeks, probably five weeks in a row for every night. We fought the same thing until one night I had to tell him at eight years old, I showed you how to do it, buddy. Go do it. So crying and scared, he goes into his room. I can hear him crying. I'm standing in the hallway. It's because I'm still dad. I'm just, just wanna, I just want to know he's okay. And he turns the song on and he starts worshiping. He starts praying and he's baptized in the spirit and he starts praying in tongues and he starts worshiping. And before you know it, he's like, next night, he's like, not afraid, but he's like, dad, can we sleep with the light in the bathroom on? I'm like, yeah, buddy, for sure. And he slowly just worked his way into this place where he has no lights on, he's not afraid. A few months ago, he's like, Dad, you know what I say to fear? I'm like, what do you say, buddy? It's like he developed his own things. He developed this new courage in himself. He's like, when fear comes in my room at night, I tell it, fear, I didn't get baptized to start a relationship with you. I got baptized to start a relationship with Jesus. You can leave. And I'm like, yeah, it's so awesome. He took what I gave him, and then he added his own flavor to it. And that's what I'm just trying to do to you tonight. I'm trying to introduce something to you that you would take and apply it in your own home. Maybe you're killing it. Maybe you're crushing it. I love that. But sometimes we're just not. And it's okay. There's always a spot where we can just come up. And my intention tonight is to empower you from this place of, God paid for something for you to have and paid for something for your kids to have that I would, I would regret not telling you this and let you walk out of here and walk back into your home, lock your doors, and pay no attention to your gates. Thanks for listening. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com. 